Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 94. In today's episode, I interview the Czech goddess, Nicole Devaney. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to hear all about cleansing more than just the physical body, what book every parent should read, as well as the meaning behind the studio name Iron and Salt. Alrighty guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Nicole Devaney. Nicole, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. 10 sentences. Um, it's been quite the journey. I, as a profession, I was a model and a dancer, and for my sport, I enjoyed yoga and paragliding. And so you could say that my body was my business, and I've been down every health diet and um, teaching, learning, everything I can. And there was a point I opened up my own business and I was teaching pole dancing. And after three years of running it successfully and doing yoga to the point where I was actually competing in the world championships, my back snapped. I broke my spine. I was so hyper-flexible. And I went from winning to not being able to stand up or carry my child. And that was a very scary moment in my life, and uh, I really kind of turned everything over to the universe after working with several chiropractors and did prolotherapy, and the only answer I was receiving from doctors is surgery, and I didn't really have the means for that. Um, that's when I was delivered, literally delivered through dreams and messages to my first check practitioner, and within one session... He did something that none of them could do. He uh, showed me how to activate muscles that were turned off and how to turn off muscles that were overactive. And I took my back pain away in one hour. And it was the most powerful hour for me because I didn't have to uh, see myself going to this person every week just to feel better, but that I could do it myself. And after a year and a half of working with him, 
and having to shut the doors on my business as I rehabilitated my life, I went to the Institute, the Czech Institute, because I had this desire to learn more of what this holistic way of looking at life was. And what turned out to be my biggest tragedy ended up being my biggest triumph. I'm now a Czech practitioner. I own a studio called Iron and Salt out of Salt Lake City, Utah. On one side of the studio, it has a kitchen because I'm very passionate about food and I feel like food is a good percent of the journey of wellness, no matter what you're dealing with. And the other side is a gym. We also have an assessment center that uh, we do a lot of energy work in, too. And every day, it's so amazing. I get to go in and give people the gift that was given to me, which is the hope that everything will be okay, that they can get out of pain and they can actually go beyond that and feel vital and happy and then pursue dreams that they thought were no longer a possibility because of where they were at. That is an awesome story. I, I mean, I, I think one of the things I'm coming back to is I didn't even realize, like, yoga was uh, a competitive sport, I guess. <laughs> like, where, where does that all fit in? You know, it really shouldn't be. You know, I learned a lot, and I did several forms of yoga, but found that there was a real liking for Bikram yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I had given birth to my daughter... I went back to yoga to work on my body and because I was so hyper-flexible and I I did a lot of community work with the studio, they asked if I would compete in the local championships of the Beach Ghost Cup. And I had no intention in training for it, but probably because I was so lax with all the hormones of birth, I ended up winning and not really... (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too worried about winning either, so I was able to hold all the um, balancing postures where a lot of people were determined and so they'd fall out. And from there, it was really kind of cool because then I had four months of training three, four hours a day with some of my favorite teachers. So it was all this free training, which was so beautiful. And um, Yeah, now what did that give you? Because, I mean, obviously this trashed your body to, to some extent. I mean with the, obviously a severe back injury, but what all did you really get out of it, though, too? Because there, there had to be a plenty of benefits. There was a ton of benefit, and there was even some more that I learned beyond that when I ended up working through the tech system. So I uh, super clean. Like, if anything, all the hours of sweating and compressing my lymphs and, and breathing deep and finding that meditation when things just feel like they can't go any further and then having the the mind over the matter and pushing my body to limits that I didn't think it could get to was very powerful. Uh, What I learned later is uh, we do a test with the Czech Institute called the Bateman scale or the Rockabata scale where we test how hyper-flexible you are genetically. Mm -hmm. And I'm a nine out of nine which less than 2% of the population is. And you're going to find that most people who are flexible go towards yoga. They like that because they're good at that. And those are the people that kind of need it the least. They're the ones that need the weights. They need to use (laughs) use the muscles to support their joints. And instead, I was Gumby's girlfriend and was Miss Bendy Flexi. And 
everyone saw it as my strength, and it turns out it was, but it created imbalance in the other things that you needed, like strength. And so um, really grateful uh, for the experience. I got to travel and meet Bikram, and uh, I credit him and his teachings for a lot of growth in my own body. You know, I, I came across Bikram in my 20s, and it changed so much for me, just cleansing and getting clean and eating clean, and that's what yoga brought to me, you know. Oh. Well, now I'm curious. So we're talking about uh, like what you're naturally drawn towards. I mean, I, I, I'm on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Like I love competing in strength athletics, and what I need is probably some more yoga to, to help balance that out. But what is what do you do then, really, to bring your body back into balance? Now, as far as any of the strength or resistance activities that you put into play to really balance out your hypermobility. Yeah, I think, you know, balance is the key to health. And when I work with people, I always like to consider myself like I find the weaknesses. I find the places that they don't like to work because if we're Mm -hmm. good at diet, we always focus on diet, but then we think, oh, I don't need to exercise today because I didn't eat that many carbs or this or that. And so then my job is to go, okay, you're kicking butt on diet. Where where do we need to add more exercise or more doctor quiet in the Czech philosophy? We look at the four doctors. Um, But, you know, as our own coaches, it's good to pat ourselves on the back for where we do well at and then to challenge ourselves to the places that we know that we don't always look into those corners. And I like to challenge myself with 30-day or 100-day challenges, kind of the same concept as the gong when we do qigong. In the Czech system, we're challenged to do 100 days of qigong every day and not miss a day. Well, they, t- they say it takes 30 days to make or break a habit. And one of the best ways that I make change in my body, and I use this in my work, is not to see all the things that need change, but to see the one thing that will give us the most benefit and work on just that one thing for 30 days and really feel what happens in my body when I do it for 30 days and when I don't do it. And that way I can identify, oh, you know, it really was that I needed more Dr. Quiet versus the next month maybe I really focus in on hydration and I don't notice a big as change as I did the months that I worked on uh, meditation, and so um, it really helps me zone in on exactly what it was that was missing out of my needs, and uh, I think a lot of people, when they, especially like right now with the New Year's resolutions, when they go to get healthy, they're like, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to go on a keto diet, and I'm going to do this and that, and then they feel great, but pretty soon all of that change, you know, your old ways come speaking back in, and you don't really know what one of those things created that new level of happiness, even though they probably all could help. Right. So what is maybe the most recent thing you've made in a a 30-day or a 100-day challenge or gong for yourself? 
Oh, that's funny. Today is day 30 of a Qigong challenge that I started with my colleagues. We just finished Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 3 with Paul Check. Mm-hmm. And because we've done Level 2, they recommend the 100-day challenge. And I've done a couple of 100-day gongs, and those are life-changing when you go to a quiet place every day and shut out all of the memos and the emails and the dinners and the to-dos and the bills. But Paul was saying during the class, if you think 100 days is great, you should try 300. And so as a group, we all decided to do 300 days together. So it's all fun. Yeah, not only am I doing it, but I'm doing it with my friends. And today is day 30, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting for me. Um, During the winter, I really try to focus a little more on quiet time and uh, not push myself so much. And so I think that with the holidays, I didn't really give myself, now you need to do this, you need to do that. I just like, just be, just get through everything. And then with the motivation of putting away the Christmas tree and everything else, uh, I think what I'm going to focus in on next is uh, diet. I I do really well eating clean uh, more than 95% of the time, but I really enjoy every year going through a process of a fungal cleanse and maybe a heavy metal detox and a parasite cleanse and uh, just making sure that my body stays on top of being clean. And one thing I want to point out to people is you said you're already like 95% there. I mean, you're you're already focused in on these things because with the New Year people are like, oh, I should do like a 30-day cleanse, like do all this, do all that. But they don't realize like when you say something like that too, it's, you're already drinking your water. You're already doing, like, you're working in. You're you're making sure you're getting your sleep. So I want to emphasize that because I think that goes oftentimes overlooked for just something else where you've already dialed in all of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, so, when oh, I... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, when I talk to people, I'm like, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be eating the way I do and living the way I do, I would have told you you're crazy. It's taken 10 years of 30-day challenges to cut the grains out of my diet, to drink half of my body weight in ounces of water, to take time to breathe every day. I I wouldn't have imagined 10 years ago I'd be where I'm at. So what do you think the next 10 years might look like? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> Transcendence, no. Um, <laughs> um, well... It's really cool. I feel like these last 10 years have been a lot of filling my mind with Mm -hmm. all that I need to know about how food affects us and just the science, like really digging into the science. And now I find myself not listening to as many words or reading as many books, but more like just living it. And that's given me a lot more time to... um, learn instruments and draw art and what I'm really motivated about is, like I said, I I found my calling, my passion, my business. So the important part is, is that I live it and what I see is when I share it, I always say I'm healing the earth one digestive system at a time. The human body is like this microcosm 
of what's happening in the macrocosm on the earth. And for a long time, I was a big advocate and worked for the Sierra Club about don't drill this and, and clean our rivers here. And I found that I was fighting a war that just almost made me sad because every day we would lose a little bit more and more and more. But when I turned it inward and said, okay, what can I do? Well, I can choose to drink spring water and I can choose to use the same container for the next 10 years and that means nothing's getting thrown away. And I can choose to not just recycle but reuse. And as I cleaned my own intestinal system and changed the microbiome in my body, I feel like it's reflecting out into the world that I experience through my eyes. And so doing so for people that come in, you know, not only do I fix back pain or help them in the process of creating their dreams, but as they heal themselves, People see the light coming from them. They feel it. They light a room up and they say, what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm drinking spring water. I'm doing this. And then they change a few people. And it's just the most beautiful branching network of of change. And it's like the underground. It's the feminine yin of how we heal the earth. They don't know it's coming, but it's coming. Does that make sense? No, I'm, I'm like... I know, really, as you're saying this, like, I'm, I'm picturing this actually, like, on the wall in front of me. Like, I can see it, like, just kind of branching down, like, almost into the earth. It, it's just, I thought, like, such a cool visual. Uh, well, okay, speaking of art, have you done any art uh, to represent that? Like, feeling the earth, like, the digestive system one person at a time or anything like that? Well, I just actually finished my upgrading of my logo for Iron and Salt. So, Iron and salt, people are like, what is that all about? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like the salt that we sweat, but it's also the salt we put in our food and the minerals. And then the iron kind of represented how we swing iron, but also the iron in our blood. And I wanted something to represent the balance of health, the yin and the yang. And so you got the white and the dark of iron and salt, but I also didn't want to turn off the people who needed it the most. Oftentimes, they see the new agey or the yin and yang, and they're like, oh, I don't want to touch that with a mm-hmm. 10-foot pole. So I kind of created just an iron and salt swirl that sort of represents it, but now I just put on the front of it the Vitruvian man, which mm-hmm. kind of represents the perfection of all of life, and at the end of each one of his limbs is the elements of earth, fire, air, water, and ether. And I like to consider what I'm doing. Um, the, the tagline I'm going for is the key to elemental wellness. And I'm going to be putting out a series of videos on how each of those elements are our bodies and how each of those elements represent a way that we work with our bodies and we work with the earth. And so if you actually go to the Facebook Iron and Salt page, you can see the new logo. I just put it up as the profile picture, and those videos will be coming out in the next few months. And even though it's not something I drew, I kind of created it through my mind, and I saw it, and then I grabbed the pictures, and I put them together. And and that, to me, was a piece of art. And to see it finalized, I was like, yes, there it is. That I had that vision, actually, a year ago, and I kind of had to put it on the shelf because I, I just got hired by the Czech Institute to become faculty. So this last year I've been apprenticing and traveling, and uh, that was 
amazing in itself, having to learn the same class for for a year, five times in a row, to pick up so much more. And uh, now I feel like I'm pulling down all of my, I, I feel like I get visions on what next, what next, and that was one of them. Uh, another thing that I'm doing is I work with women. That's one of my favorite things is women's health and sexuality and helping women to honor their feminine and their grace. And so I have new moon circles that we're bringing together as a community gift for the women to gather and set the seeds of intention and have like an accountability network where we support and inspire each other to uh, heal the feminine, which is a big part of balancing the earth as well. We have a lot of yang energy. We're overfired and go, go, go. And it's that yin that's starting to come in and the receptive vessel of these females first getting back into their feminine. And there will be a lot of art that is in that, just teaching them what it's like and how to feel safe going back into the feminine. Okay, so I have a couple questions off of that because I know on your website you had stuff even uh, about Renaissance artists then too, uh, comparing them almost like to Czech practitioners. Uh, and but talking about the Vitruvian man, really the, my question out of this, like talking about the, the sexuality and the women's health, and were there any, because I don't know enough about it, like are there any great uh, female Renaissance artists? Hmm. That would be a really good question, and I, I don't know about Renaissance artists, yeah. but one woman that I'm really appreciating recently is yeah. Alana Fairchild. Okay. Uh, she's an author, and she also has some cards called the Sacred Rebel Cards. Alana Fairchild is really tapped in. Everything that this woman writes is like straight from source and that deep source of woman. Another one that I'm really appreciating is a podcast called Live Awake. And it's just 10-minute meditations. I'm trying to find the name of the gal that does it, where she talks about the sacred feminine and how to relax and surrender. And then she'll tell you you close your eyes, and then she takes you on this nice five-minute journey of what it feels like in yourself to let go and surrender. And I think that's one of the things that we're kind of missing is uh, when we had the whole feminist movement, I think a lot of it was about fighting for our rights. But the whole concept of fighting is very masculine. And I believe that it needed to happen, and I appreciate that it did. But now that we have those rights, it's important that we stop trying to to flex our muscles like men and kind of get back into the softness of blinking our eyes and moving our hips. You see, it's the men that build the bridges in the cities, but it's the women that tell the men, we're hungry, we need food, or the children are tired and we need to stop and rest. The men and the women are a team, and it's a very powerful team. But the women, even though they walk behind the men who are creating the path, have the leadership because it's them that are responsible for the youth, and it's them that have that 
a little bit different connection as a mother and an open heart to tap into what the youth needs and the ability to soften the men and ask them for their service of their awesome muscles to provide that. And that's kind of an analogy and there's kind of some truth to that. But um, that's, uh, that's kind of a offbeat answer to your question. No, I don't know any Renaissance artists that are female, but those are some of the women that I'm really appreciating and I think that create art in some of the most fantastic ways right now in my journey. That, that was a better answer anyway, so thank you for that. No, that that was really cool. Uh, because now tying this with, in with, like, the Czech goddess, is, is that kind of where some of this comes from for that sacred feminine then too? Oh, man. You know, the Czech goddess, I'm glad you asked that. Such an interesting – so when I opened my pole dancing company, I didn't know a single pole trick. I just knew that I had a background in business and also a background in sexuality and sensuality. And all of a sudden, pole dancing was huge. And everybody wanted to know. And I'm in a town that's very religious, uh, Utah. And I was like, I'm going to teach pole dancing, but it's a ploy because I'm going to get these women in here thinking that they're excited to swing around a pole. And then I'm going to teach them how safe a powerful sexuality can be and how important it is to clean our bodies and honor our minds as women. And so I I got a studio and ten poles and a few people to help teach me. I would learn a couple of pole tricks, and the next week I'd be like, okay, we're going to learn some new tricks. (laughs) It was so funny. (laughs) But I had a few classes. And and the whole goddess thing, I actually – was approached in a vision by a beautiful, powerful woman. And she told me that I was going to create a goddess academy. And that's the name of my first business. It was Goddess Arts Academy. And I loved helping. I loved helping. And when I broke my own spine, it was so dark when I had to shut the doors to my business. I felt like a failure. And... I didn't know why it was happening to me. And looking back now, I realized that I needed a lot more science and knowledge, and I had to heal myself to get that science and knowledge. So when I started to go to the Czech Institute with no intentions of really being a Czech practitioner, just wanting more knowledge to heal myself, I came home from my first class. Um, I give intuitive readings, or I have in the past, psychic readings, if people want to call that that. And one of my uh, clients who I was reading, I wasn't seeing a very positive outlook for his health. And I looked at him after this class and I said, look, I can tell you what I see or I can show you how to change it. And he became my very first client and we worked for a year and his chronic fatigue syndrome completely disappeared. He got off all of his medication. It was self-fulfilling, and that's it. I realized that I didn't sell, that I transmuted, and I became the Czech goddess, which my tagline for my personal self is discover your divinity, not become the divine, but discover it, because it's already inside, and sometimes it's just like that 
that David statue is the chiseling away of what already exists in there. And so I kept the goddess, and uh, that to me was just saying it's not the end or a beginning, but it's just this beautiful path that we keep walking through life. And so I took part of what I was and transmuted it. All of this that we've been talking about today, I mean, I feel like it goes back and like back and forth, back and forth, and it's all about this balance here. And I, I, I love how you just talked about the David statue was always there uh, in in whatever it's it's carved out of, but you just had to break away everything else. It's like that that was such a cool concept for me to think about, and I think we can all think about for that for ourselves. Is again, everything's already within us. It's just this is just break away some of the other layers to just let it shine. Yep, yep. And sometimes having somebody who's done that is really powerful. You know, having a mentor who's walked the path, you know, yeah. is so powerful. Helping you with any shortcuts or, or any pitfalls that they've gone through, like helping you avoid some of those, helping you just – or maybe not avoid them, maybe use them as showing you how to use them as lessons, whatever it may be, it can just yeah. help just launch you to uh, whatever it is that you're looking for, really. Yeah, to really help you understand what's coming. Cleansing is more than a physical process. And if you know the emotions that are going to come up because somebody told you, it makes it a lot more easy to identify and work with them. And Yeah. If you wouldn't mind expanding upon that, because I think people think of cleansing, like, oh, I'm going to uh, cleanse an organ or a parasite or a fungus. And you hear, or like we said, the heavy metals before, too. But why is it that cleansing isn't just purely a physical uh, thing? Why, why it really is just so much more to our bodies, our minds, than just that purely physical aspect? Well, you know, our bodies house our spirits. And, you know, they've shown... Through all sorts of uh, research and ancient knowledge that the organs do house emotions. Uh, so do muscles. And so um, one of my favorite things, a lot of people will say, well, I eat clean. I said, okay, how long have you been eating clean for? Well, about, you know, seven years. How old are you? Well, I'm 38. Okay, well, we've got 31 years of GMOs and toxins that are still under there. And oftentimes when we were eating the junk food or putting a lot of sugar, as you know, sugar and gluten have the ability to affect the brain like opiates and cocaine. We're literally getting high and numbing out the sensations of whatever emotions we might have been dealing with, emotional eating. So you get clean, you're eating well, but you still have buried emotions that you are burying. And it's not uncommon when you start to eat clean or cleanse that these motions also have to come out of the organs. And so you uh, understanding that they're coming will help you to not identify them with what's in front of you at the moment. I always tell my daughter, okay, mom's going to do a liver cleanse. She knows that liver has to do with anger. <laughs> and well, I'm going to do my best to not identify it with you, and you do your best to not take it personal. Sometimes we even create a little safe word like liver cleanse, <laughs> mom, liver cleanse, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're right, maybe this is what that's about, and, um, you know, again, you can read about liver cleanses online, 
but there's not a lot of them that will say, oh, by the way, uh, this is about anger. And if you're holding on to any anger, plan on that coming to the surface. Uh, the colon is grief and, and sadness and being able to let it go and evacuate it out of our bodies. And then even the hierarchy of healing with cleansing, you don't really want to cleanse your liver if you haven't cleansed your colon because then there's no direction or outlet for all the toxins that your liver is going to be shooting out. And so really having somebody knowledgeable to help you understand which ones you should start with what you can expect, not because they've read it, but because they've done it. And that's, I think, the real key is um, anybody can look up online how to do any kind of cleanse. But when I teach somebody how to let go of gluten and I get a hold their hand, I'm like, okay, don't be surprised that in one or two weeks you're going to be feeling everything that you didn't realize you weren't feeling. And the beauty in that is we can heal it. We get to, like, be angry but be done with angry. And when we're done with angry, then that addiction or that need to satiate and compress the anger down deeper into our organs will be gone too. And so that whole craving that you had for the gliadal morphines or the morphine uh, effect that you get from the donut or from the loaf of bread uh, no longer is necessary because you went through the fire of filling it. Nicole, what you know, maybe... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it's just one more thought is like... Yeah. We just really dialed this in this last class that I took. It's not in our happiest moments of life that we learn and we grow. It's oftentimes through the pain and the sorrow. And I think that our society is big at pleasure-seeking. We always want to feel good. But the truth is, is that good and bad have equal value in healing and happiness and growth. And I like cleansing because it gives me the, the control of the dosage of how much of my emotions I want to feel and of the outlet that allows me to go okay, if there's anything that's in there, let's fill it now instead of let it build up for 20 years and fill it later on when I'm dealing with a cancer or a diabetes. So through the cleansing that you've done for yourself, have there been any very profound moments or, like you, you said, you have to have sometimes even a safe word with your daughter, but is there anything that's just really come out that's, it had just such that amazing impact on your life, uh, whether it be like a good or a bad thing, but you've been able to grow from it. Oh, so many. I remember my first cleanse in my 20s when it was the master cleanse thing and you do the lemonade and the maple syrup, which I don't really uh, do anymore or support, but it was what I was introduced to. And I remember not liking the taste of seaweed. And seaweed's so healthy for you. And I remember looking at my girlfriend about seven days into this, and I said, I am so hungry that even seaweed sounds good right now. (laughs) And that moment, I actually decided that it sounded good. And so when I got back on food, I was like, oh, my gosh, seaweed's good. It's almost like it reset 
my taste buds from the chemical stuff that the scientists and the food giants have got them figuring out exactly how to turn our taste buds on to this much salt and this much sugar. Um, a lot of people initially when they start eating healthy, they're like, oh, it doesn't really have flavor or taste. I think one cleansing reset all that back to the natural state. I also had one time in my liver cleanse where I was laying down. I just drank a cup of olive oil. You lay down on your right side. It all goes into mm-hmm. your liver. Your liver begins to remove. But I was having this moment of just past anger over certain people and life experiences and this little voice came in, and it's like, do you want to feel this way? And I'm like, no. And right then when I said no, my liver, I could feel it began to pulse and pump and go through. Like, I didn't even know if the liver could go through paracelsis, but that's what it felt like was a, a pumping action where my liver's like just shooting it out. And I just had this super huge awareness of how deeply we, A, are connected to the physical, mental, emotional, but B, how we are the creators of the choices of how that's going to play out. Like right then, the question, do you want to fill this? No. Okay. Well, let's change that. It was so awesome. Um, Every cleanse has a different experience. Heavy metals. I didn't realize that I was having cognition and, and brain fog until the fog went away. And I'm like, wow, who knew there was a tourniquet on my head? I didn't, but sometimes we don't know what good feels like until we actually go there. It's pretty cool. So what are you, what are you geeking out on right now? Like, What are you just kind of diving into uh, to learn about? What are people? in health or just otherwise something that you're just really interested in bringing more of into your life? Well, I have a teenager, a teenage daughter, and uh, I'm really amazed going through the process of raising a child because as they reach different levels in their growth, it brings you back to your own. And... uh, Right now, I I mean, I've done a lot of research on the female brain, and one of the things that can probably drive a lot of parents out there nuts with their teenage daughters is the amount of time that they spend trying to make themselves beautiful or how important it is that they feel like they are amazing and what I read, there's this great book called The Female Brain, is that that's what we're genetically predetermined to try to do, which is to attract a mate and procreate. Mm-hmm. But the way that's playing out is three hours in the bathroom. <laughs> so it's real easy for me to go, no, your hair is perfect. Will you please come now? But I forgot what it's like as she's going into this place in her body where it's getting ready to bear children, even though I'm adamant that that's not going to happen until she's 32, (laughs) 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 that her biological drive is all about being in that place. And so instead of rushing her, I've now got to this place where I'm like, 
how can I make you feel the most beautiful? Can I help you with your hair? Can I get you that color of lipstick that you really like instead of, like, at this age, I'm like, whatever. You love me for me and whatever I look like or whoever I am. But at that age, their whole neural wiring is just changing because of their massive hormones. And that, to me, like, every stage of parenting, how can I be the best parent and I would think if I hadn't have read this stuff is to teach her that it's not important, Kenya. They got to love you for you. But what I realized was it's so important. And how can I make her feel like she is gold every day? And that's, um, again, back to the feminine and just learning more and more about um, our, our, the way we, we function has been really cool. So that's my that's my new geek out is really cre- great braids and uh, shadow eyeshadows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious. Do you have any uh, any other resources? Any female brain, but just anything else you've read, watched, listened to that other people could check out? Because I mean, my son like he's much younger than that, but I, I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like, all right, well, I he, I don't know what else I can give him at this point besides my own experiences, but I'd, I'd like to ha- be able to offer more uh, so that I can best support him uh, as he gets older, too. Yeah, so two things that come to my mind. I really love Anadea Judas' book, Eastern Bodies, Western Minds. Have you ever read that one? I haven't. Like, it's one of the, it's probably in my Amazon cart. I'll probably have to just go add it. Or, like, uh, it's in my queue. I'll have to add it then. Eastern Body, Western Mind, correct? That one lets you know every chakra stage of development and the age that it happens in. Now, in the Czech system, we're taught that it's every seven years that we move into a different chakra, which is like a Mm -hmm. different lens for how we see life. But Anadea Judith actually breaks it down to even a shorter span. So like in utero to birth is like the first chakra, and then within two years you get into the second chakra. But what I love about her is she explains what's happening developmentally for the females or the males, and what we could do to help balance that and what can happen to make it more excessive and how that will make you act later on in your life or what you could do to make it more deficient. So like telling a two-year-old no too much can shut down their second chakra, which is their ability Mm -hmm. to receive pleasure and that can really change how they act later on with their partners. Um, I really liked that book, and I recommend it all the time as I'm healing, well, maybe not me healing, but showing people how to change their body structure. They start accessing the imbalances in their chakras, and if I can give them a resource to understand what's happening mentally, emotionally, that would be the one. Another book that I really like for women is outsmarting the female fat cell that they yeah. recommended through the institute but what i did was i actually ended up buying outsmarting the um midlife fat cell or no the menopausal fat cell she does one for older women and i bought really? that one because it was seven dollars instead of 22 and i thought well i'll just i'll save a little bit of money and get the same concept but what i found is is that at the age of 35, women start hitting perimenopause. And I'm like, wait, I'm 35. 
No, I can't be doing that. But it's true. Our bodies for the next 15 years begin to make less and less estrogen through the ovaries. Mm-hmm. And so by nature, the other place that we receive estrogen is through our fat cells. And so every year, my body for the next 15 years should gain a half a pound of body fat. Now, what happens to women at 35, 36, 37 when they are doing the same thing they've always done, eating better than they've ever ate, and they're still gaining fat? They work harder and harder to stop the body's natural wisdom and try to keep that 20-year-old body. And this is why we have so much menopausal stress because by the time they need that estrogen to go through the menopause, they actually don't have it. And instead, they have burnt out adrenals because they started running faster on the treadmills and dieting harder. And these are the ones that go through the really bad night sweats and just have a horrible time with menopause. And so... Now, when I look at my tips getting a little bit more voluptuous every year, I just think, my body is so dang smart. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, they need to rebrand that. Like, just because, like you said, menopause, like, the average 35-year-old is not going to read that, unfortunately, and miss out probably on what could be one of the most profound things that they're going to hear. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I remembered it. It's outsmarting the midlife. That cell. That's okay, so that, that could that could work actually very well then. All right, uh, I might have to check that out because any any of the just of my patients, of my clients, like at that time, like that's very important to understand and I think to help guide them through. Yeah, yeah. The goal is is not to lose muscle, but to also allow that little bit of fat to come on. Okay, that's that's uh, very very helpful. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, Nicole, I mean, we're talking about something like this, and uh, people see that often as a struggle. Like, what is your biggest struggle right now when it comes to maybe maintaining your health? Well, I, I'm i a single mom, and mm-hmm. I own and run a business, and I wear a lot of hats. And I think that the biggest thing that I have to constantly keep in check is, time. Um, I have to be very adamant about what my dream is. Okay, these are my priorities. And what is a time robber? Because there will be some days, Nick, where I'm running. And as we know, doing that too much for too long is not healthy. But to put three good meals on the table a day, do the shopping, go and do the marketing, and then work with eight clients, sometimes I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. And so... um, Making sure that I find time for quiet. I love that in those moments that I set my timer and I'm like, okay, this is my time for Qigong. This is the moment where I don't run and I do nothing. Or sometimes it'll be a hot bath or a sauna. But um, but also in that challenge has given me the gift to coach people in the same boat, single moms, people working two jobs, I have found some of the best ways to stay healthy in a short amount of time. One of my favorite things is the super salad. Every Sunday, we clear out everything that's bad in the fridge, and we go get all these fresh vegetables, 
and I don't have time every night to cut vegetables. And mm-hmm. so I use a giant Tupperware, and I dump all the good greens in it, and then I cut every vegetable I want for the week up. And I know that sometimes people say you should cut them right before you're about to use them. They're healthier, fresher. Well, I'm a mom. i mm-hmm. got to get it done when I can. But having that Tupperware, I can either make a salad with every meal, or if I want to put some fresh or some, some onions in an omelet, I just pull out that salad and there's a pile of onions on one side and I'll grab those and toss them in. And it's kind of a family thing. I got my daughter something called a mandolin where you mm-hmm. can slide the vegetable across and cut it. We call it the Chinese chopper. It makes it fun. And we just chop vegetables for two hours on Sunday and prep. For the week, that's that's a big one that makes everything. And then I really value my mornings. When she's asleep, I always wake up an hour early, maybe two, and I just give everything I can to me first. And some days that looks like a cup of tea and snuggling my dog. Other days it looks like catching up on past work. But um, figuring out, like, which time is your time and making a commitment to give yourself that time every day, no matter how busy you are, because I find the equivalent of not giving myself that time makes my mind feel as if I'm busier than I really am. That makes a lot of sense, because when you're you're just rushing, 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 even if it's that five minutes for yourself uh, might even seem like an hour and be able to almost free up more time uh, to do sometimes all the other busy things that we have to get done during the day. Yeah. So you talked to a few things like that you do in the morning. Like, it, so you don't have necessarily a morning routine. It's do you get more of a, whatever it is that your body needs that day? Um. Well, every day I like to do a little bit of mobilization. So the first thing I kind of get up is I have an altar that I go to, and it's always changing, but some of the things I keep on that altar are sage or frankincense and candles. And the little routine of lighting the candle and inviting the light into my life, and that light to me represents inspiration, health, love, just that one thing, first thing, even if I don't get to my Qigong right then, but usually if I feel that's the best time next, I'll try to do some Qigong right in front of that altar. And then when I finish with the Qigong, I actually uh, will drop down and do some core exercises. Um, And then from there, it's to my, oh, well, I do water the whole time. But then I really like to go in and get a warm cup of tea. And sometimes I'll read and sometimes I'll write and sometimes I'll draw. I really try to make an effort to do all of those every day. But what I found was is that that just made me stressed. <laughs> so yeah. I go with where I feel inspired to go. And some days it's drawing and other days it's uh, whatever kind of comes my way. Um Breakfast is key at our house, and so is dinner. We always make a breakfast, and we always make a dinner, and we always sit down to that, and we always turn everything off. And it's it's so important. I read as I was raising Kenya, 
to have traditions for our children. And that's something that she can always rely on, that there's going to be a warm breakfast and uh, a mom across the table from her to communicate with. Even though some days I'm so busy that that might be all we see of each other until bedtime. But that she can rely on. And uh, we make it a group effort. I have to cook. She cleans. Now that she's getting older, sometimes we reverse it. And it's amazing. She'll be like, I need to sauteed kale with garlic and eggs over easy. And I'm like, oh, who raised you? You're such a good kid. (laughs) 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 And uh, then the routine at night, you know, I have just become so sensitive to light since learning about the circadian rhythms. And so 9 o'clock, we turn it over to salt lamps. And if we do anything that's digital, it's usually an audio book. Oh, I love Audible. We have so much fun listening to different myths together and getting into the story characters. And it leaves your hands free. And so you can do anything from cleaning to craft. And, um, And then... The final thing is usually I will do body work on my daughter, just running energy through my hands and my breath. This is something I've done since the day she was first out of my womb is uh, just run energy through her body. And even though she's taller than me now, (laughs) she's still my baby. And that's another traditional thing that I do, yeah. Any books you guys have uh, listened to recently together that really uh, have, have been either favorites or just going back? Any, any favorites that really uh, strike home? Yeah, so we really like to listen to medicine women stuff. So Planet of Cave Bear series, it's like 150 hours and really powerful about a woman in the Paleolithic era who was raised by Neanderthals that actually belonged to uh, the humans and she goes through her whole life in a series of six books. And um, just a warning out there, there is a little sexual content, probably more than a little. And I remember reading it in high school thinking how good it was. And when I introduced Kenya to it, I forgot that that was so prevalent in the book. And we were starting it when she was about 10 years old. And I remember the first sex scene coming on. And I was like, oh, Oh, yeah. And then I was like, well, what do I do? Do I turn it off? That almost would make it seem like it's not. So she actually got a lot of her sexual education through the myths of these books that we were listening to. But I remember both of us really kind of growing silent and sinking in and just listening. And But uh, I think that it's really important that we're open uh, with our children. Uh, there's another one called She Who Remembers, and it's about an Aztec woman and her life. And that actually goes not only through her life, but her children and her children's children. And that one was good. And then um, The Alchemist was another fantastic book. So whenever I yes. choose a book, I really try to make it so that it's fun and it's a story, but there's some inspiration and learning in it. That that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, just because when you read a book, you have a certain voice in your head. But sometimes it's cool to hear that narration by somebody else and the voices, the characters, like 
they really do come absolutely alive, and it's just so much fun to just kick back and enjoy the story. Yeah. Okay, one of the things you mentioned were salt lamps. This is one thing I only know, I haven't actually looked into much. Like, I use uh, just more amber lights, uh, like, at, at night around here. But I've, I've, I know of the salt lamps. Like, why did you choose that over just something else to uh, keep on at night? Well, because you can get two for $19 on Amazon.com. <laughs> and when you and when you warm up salt, it naturally puts ions into the air and cleans mm-hmm. it. And so I was able to put one in each. And iron and salt, um, because in my studio, having salt lamps, was uh, it worked out for some good decor. But there's Ooh. some health benefits to them, and uh, they, they put off a really good amber light. No, and that's, I thought there was something, like, with, with the minerals or the ions. Like, I, I wasn't sure what all it was, um, but I think I might have to look into that because I wouldn't mind putting some more, like, out in the kitchen or something like that. But if we have in the bedrooms, uh, everything stays pretty dim, but I think yeah. something like that would be a really nice addition. Well, when you warm salt, it does put negative ions in the air, and we know that you want a balance between negative and positive ions. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, when you live in a city – there's usually more positive ions. This is the pollution. And so anything that we can do to kind of add negative ions into the air naturally will help clean our house. Plants do this. So does beeswax candles and salt. I'll even take large chunks of salt in the winter, and I put them over the heating vents. So as the heating air runs through, it warms the salt and blows ions through the house. Right on. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Cool. We've been going all over the place here. This has been a fantastic conversation. A couple things that I like to ask everybody who comes on the show then in closing is, one is, who do you want to hear on this podcast? And what is it that you would either want to hear them talk about or like a specific question that you would want to ask them? Um, you know, I wasn't ready for that question, but <laughs> somebody did come to my mind. Have you ever heard of Nadine Artemidis? Nadine, what is it, Artemidis? Uh huh. She. I have not. I I learned from her years ago about uh, the mouth and how to do natural dentistry, and that not only do we have a microbiome in our gut, but we have a microbiome in our mouths, and that we are using a lot of products to kill not only bad bacteria but all the good bacteria, which you know when we kill all the bugs, there's no life. And then our teeth don't do so well. So I learned how to really care for my mouth from her a long time ago. But recently she's coming out with a lot of research on how to care for your female parts. And I'm like, where is this coming from? But apparently that's her background. And what she Mm -hmm. has to say is really powerful. And so, again, going into the the female health, I'd like to see what she has to say on your show. I will definitely have to reach out to her. That sounds uh, – and but it's, it makes sense. Like you said, well, everything almost is kind of starting with the mouth, but it's ending uh, really like coming through our reproductive organs. And I think that the health at one end is still going to certainly have an effect of the health at the other. So I could see how a lot of that would tie together then too. As above, so below. <laughs> yes, very much so. Well, Nicole, in closing then, where can the listeners find out more about you just check out stuff that you're working on, anything that they can see that you have to offer, and just anything they can help you out with. 
Nice. Well, thank you for offering that. I have a couple of websites. Ironandsalt.com is my studio. I have an ebook I wrote on there called The Beauty of Balance. It's only $5, and if you're wondering how to organize your thoughts of uh, balance and all the things that you have to do in your life, it's kind of designed so that you can get organized with that. I also, on my other website, NicoleDevaney.com, if you go there and sign up for my newsletter, which I don't send out very often, you're not going to get something once a week, I give the first seven lessons that I would give to all of my clients for free. And this comes to your email box, and it just kind of tells you about the importance of, you know, the elemental wellness, the fire, the water, uh, the digestion, the hydration, these kind of things. And it's really... You know, as much as we have to make our living off of what we're doing, it's really my passion to see the world and the people in it heal. And so I've created these things in hopes that if you can't afford a mentor, there's something out there for you to get started with. Well, thank you for that. I hope everybody goes and uh, at least checks some of this stuff out to just see what else there is out there. And, and that's what it's about. Like you said, this is, you're sharing your passion. You just absolutely embody it, and that's the beautiful part of it. So make sure everybody checking out ironandsalt.com and coldabandy.com. You can get awesome resources over there. Again, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been an absolutely awesome talk. Ah, I love what you're doing, Nick. It's really powerful, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others, so thank you. Mm-hmm.